cover story. Cover a story or attain that coveted story. Get it? That is exactly what you want. Quoted as the expert, the story, headline, the spin. Every week, join us to talk about all things important to relating to the public. Your public. Craft your image. Promote your products. Create expert status. Become the buzz. Join us with the pros. PR 101. Crisis management. Media blitzing. It's all here on Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Yeah, try, try this microphone over here. <laughs> that one's dead. Okay, let's... Ooh, I can even hear myself now. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Cover Story. Hey, Mick. Hello. How are <laughs> you? Can you hear me? <laughs> I can hear you now. All right, perfect. <laughs> this well, is, I hear you perfectly. Yay, then we're all on the same page. This is great. Well, everyone, welcome to this fabulous Wednesday in Cover Story. Uh, we've got sort of a different approach today. Um, it's just Mick and I. Mick and I talking about PR, world philosophy, and the new Pope. <laughs> there you go. And I have to say that's not a bad thing, uh, especially some of your latest explorations across the seas. <laughs> this is true. This is. You know what? I hadn't thought about this before. Let me ask you a question. Talking about like PR. Um, we actually, uh, listeners that don't know, uh, SE Guru and myself were in Prague last week. He was uh, giving a search engine boot camp, um, which is a really intensive all-day seminar for people, beginners through advanced, to sort of get their arms around all sorts of techniques um, with search engine optimization. And we were also um, over there promoting the radio networks, which was really exciting. Um, it was a, a show that um, was actually like an adult show and a mainstream show blended together and it was very interesting to see sort of the two worlds come together but more importantly um when we flew across the pond as it were we big pond by the way the big pond it's it's like a knee cramping pond (laughs) i'm sure oh i mean like 11 hours on a plane even business class isn't uh, isn't quite enough not on a flight that long well you know it's that whole cabin pressurization thing you know, I you just, you, you like, all, for me, all my joints just start saying, I'm not a Lego set. <laughs> uh, it's horrible. But we managed, we got to the hotel just in time to see that a new pope had been chosen. And I was really upset because I was all excited to see the, the smoke. And, and we missed the smoke part of things. Yeah, yeah. But the amazing thing was, A, obviously, all the millions and millions and millions of people that were standing out in front of St. Peter's, but they kept saying this one thing, and I felt so bad for this poor Pope. He's 78 years old. We don't expect him to be in office more than five years. We anticipate he's actually going to die soon. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll see see what the future holds. I mean, you, some people would say, hey, it's a... It's a it's a gerontocracy, but I think what what happens is the uh, you end up with the uh, wisdom of all those years at the helm, and nothing wrong with that. No, I you know what I agree with you completely. I just felt bad. Okay, now understandably, this man is the pope and and has a sort of I can't even imagine how he thinks or his perceptions of things. But I just know that if I had been elected something of that magnitude. After I came out and I did my benediction and I greeted my people and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the pomp and circumstance, I'd probably want to go back and sort of look at the world's reaction to me being... Um, That's true. That's true. And, and, and uh, you know, the, the thing that was interesting 
to me, I mean, as opposed to, uh, and it's not to get into a religious conversation, but more from a philosophical standpoint, if you look back historically, uh, you know, God chose his, his people, like, you know, he chose Moses. He didn't, you know, Moses wasn't elected. So when you start looking at things from a more of a political standpoint, you've got to you know, be worrying about what your constituents and your supporters are thinking. You know, as a, as a pope, I would think he'd yeah he'd have some had have some concerns. I guess once you're there though, and you're kind of infallible and untouchable, maybe maybe it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> no, I mean that's an interesting perspective. That's a really interesting perspective. I guess my feeling was I just felt so bad because all what kept sticking out in my mind was that whether we were watching BBC World or you know they were doing special like I think they had CNBC and they they were sort of BBC was sort of ferreting through different. Um, different media outlets for their opinions. And everyone kept saying the same thing. Well, you know, he's 78 years old and only be in office for five years. And I'm, if I went back after being, being like, I, like, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be named Pope. Yeah. And the biggest thing that they had to say about me was, I'll be dead in five years. No, I think it'd be hitting the exercise machine and proving wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll show you. I'll show you. I'll be here for a long time. Well, I mean, the, the last one was no uh, short-timer, that's for sure. No, and I didn't realize. I thought we were a lot older when we saw that smoke. I mean, he was in office for 20-some-odd years, wasn't he? I think he was. That's it's It's pretty incredible. I think it's still incredible that, you know, these things are still taken so seriously when a lot of decorum has been lost in the world today. Yeah, there, there's a refreshing side to it. That's for sure. To see it be, be taken serious, and and one of the things, uh, you know, even when you're not of that particular religion, I mean, you, you at least you know take note, and uh, it does it does create an influence on on your given communities because there are people that are uh, followers of the faith of that faith, and and will um, you know. You interact with them daily. It's not not a bad thing to know something about the people you're you're dealing with and in their value system. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent, because you know, it like you, you want to surround yourself with like-minded people. You know, so everyone has the same set of principles. Everyone has the same set of ethics. So at the end of the day, you know, especially when you're doing business with someone that's so important, you don't wake up and say, "What have I done?" Their actions have now caused me to tarnish my reputation. And in my opinion, the only thing we truly have in this world is our reputation. Very true. Well, that being said, as you're you are trying to get to know people, maybe you do learn a little bit about their their uh, religious beliefs, whether it be um, perhaps uh, you know going into the into the Jewish faith, uh, whether it be the a Protestant faith, Catholic faith, uh, Mormons as a as a as a common term for the Church of Jesus Christ faith. Um, you know, there's there's a, a lot of different. Uh, Faith out there. That's one aspect of, of people, and it's good to be aware of those things so that you don't uh, offend people from a from a religious perspective or a cultural perspective. For example, uh, um, you know, I, I happen to call up uh, the home of a friend of mine. Well, they, it, it was, that, that friend let me know was uh, that they were getting ready for Passover supper, so I knew, hey, I should probably respect that time. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, maybe this conversation can wait a moment. Yeah. Well, it's true, and it's interesting. I, I think I was we're, we're, I think I was very blessed in that. My parents brought me up to believe that there's one God. And when I was a kid, they took me, you know, to temple. They took me to church because they never wanted me to be ignorant of other people's beliefs. And for me, that was so important. And, when, you know, throughout college or different times in my life when I had friends that, 
you know, were by themselves. They didn't have family, but they wanted to go to Easter services or they wanted to go to midnight mass. I had no issues going to them because the whole th- with them, because it's nice to be able to be there for someone to help them execute something that's deep in their heart. Very true. Very true. And, and, uh, you know, likewise, I've, I've attended churches that are not my, my faith. Yeah, in one instance, it was, uh, actually going to the Catholic church because a good friend of mine, uh, who I, you know, was, I was basically in the Washington DC area at the time on an, uh, on an assignment, uh, work related and, uh, turned out his father passed away. Ooh. So, you know, we went, we went to the, uh, to the uh, Catholic Church that was in that area, and, and he did his thing, and I was there, you know, be supportive of my my uh, business associate and buddy, and and uh, that that worked out, you know, to be a be an interesting experience. Now, you know, while personally, I may not place the same value in the in the uh, in the faith and the ordinances that that uh, you know pertain to that particular faith, there was a value in the relationship with the with my with my work associate and and somebody that I would count as a friend or a buddy or whatever. And so, and so there's, there's value in, 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 again, just being respectful and recognizing. Um, today, of course, in the, in the wake of the 9-11 crises and whatnot, there's been a lot of folks that are very much, you know, anti-Islamic. And, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's quite a shame. And I think people are finally starting to realize, wait a minute, it's not the Islamic faith that's necessarily um, a bad thing. It's the Islamic extremists, those that would uh, perhaps... You know, if you're not a, is of an Islamic faith, you're you're an infidel, and if you're not not an extremist like they are, then you're disdained in some way. Those people are more, no different than the racist or the Ku Klux Klan type mentality that we've had in our own country's history. The, the shame of it is that there's much more advanced uh, weaponry from exactly. and ideas from to carry out their extreme beliefs, and uh, you know. But so there's there's no. There's no uh, value in that. Although I recognize that the nature of the show is not to get off into the into the face side. We've, we've digressed just a little bit from the from the flow, but I think there, again, there's some real value in just kind of learning what the values and the core beliefs of others are, so that you can not uh, not tread lightly, but be respectful of those of the beliefs of others, and and that helps you, I think, to develop a stronger uh, relationship interpersonally, and then you know allows for you to. Uh, Proceed with the, with your business endeavors without uh, creating some artificial conflict that need not be there. No, it's true. It's true. And you know, seeing that we were going to focus, let's say, a little bit on the European marketplace due to our you know our, our recent yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's it. You're getting a whole sense. new cultural perspective there. Well, yeah. Well, what you're saying makes a lot of sense because you know, interestingly enough, the first thing I noticed was, um, you know, the Europeans when you attend trade shows with them are dressed. Beautifully, they're, they wear tailored suits. They're they're in full dress regalia. Vis a vis, I'd say like ten percent of Americans when they go to a trade show are wearing maybe a sport coat. Let's say if you're gonna you know use the, the male genre because women don't yeah, always apply. Yeah, a sport coat, possibly a, a nice blouse for the ladies or such. Right, and you know, or it's extremely common for companies to wear their company uniform. It may be a golf shirt, it may be an Oxford shirt. Or it's a t-shirt that the show gave away. Right, exactly. (laughs) Hopefully promoting, you know, the radio networks, yay. But, um, but, so first of all, you need to like do a little research before you go to market yourself in another country because it's, you know, packaging has a lot to do with things. So what what you're suggesting is if I'd uh, gone over there and showed up with my, uh, in my, uh, golf shirt or, you know, my polo with my logo or a, uh, an industry-related T-shirt, I'd be probably quite underdressed for the occasion, it sounds like. Yes. I would be showing the same respect to the, to the visitors at the show that they would be showing yes. to, to me. 
I mean, I think that people are pretty accepting and I think people are intelligent enough to say, well, you know, they just came from America and that's not how Americans dress. But the fact is, something that I learned very early in life is, you know, everyone has, things taste better when they're served up in a way that um, you're comfortable with. There you go. So, you know, in the first, inter, you know, your first introduction to someone and their first opinion of you is how you present yourself. I think and that's, that's so true. How about, was, was language a big issue for you over there in, in this picture show or how did you find that? No, you know something? We are the only country that is not forced as, a, as children to learn another <laughs> language. I mean, and we are blessed that if the only language we're going to learn, it happens to be the most universal language that's out there. So language was not a barrier. I mean, in, in regard to like the Czech people, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. I've never met a ruder group of people in my life. Wow. And I, a lot of it has to do with the fact, and once someone explained this to me, I got the mentality. They were communists until 10 years ago. Yeah, stand in your bread line for 12 hours and maybe we'll give you something. Well, yeah, and, and you know what? <laughs> and if you do do something, you're not going to be awarded on any level or rewarded on any level for it. So why should I do something for you? And, you know, part of me says, wow, their entire economy now is based on tourism, and that's huge. And when I tell you, you know, people used to always say to me, oh, Brandy, you go to Prague, you know, it's so beautiful, the architecture is unbelievable, and it's super inexpensive. It ain't super inexpensive anymore. But the architecture is still beautiful, right? The, the architecture is magnificent. I don't know how long it took to build some of those buildings, but people left true legacies for themselves. Wow. Well, you identify a, a problem there for that particular uh, area of the world, that particular part of the world, in terms of attracting tourism and being able to send those tourists home as uh, evangelists, if you will, mm-hmm. promoters of, of their uh, services as, as a uh, tourist destination. Mm-hmm. And to me, that sounds like not only is there a problem there, but there's also a great opportunity to, uh, to refine uh, oh, some social skills and, and teach people what it means to have Marriott-style world-class hospitality on your tourist destination. Oh, 100%. I mean, they, the only, the only, this is actually a funny story. The only real language barrier I heard of during the entire show was, um, uh, a gentleman came to the show, and I guess he drove in, I think he drove in from Germany, and he came in in like a very expensive sports car, like a Lamborghini, I think. Okay, so this is a man who owns a big, huge company, extremely well-respected, and he walks up to check into what they called a five-star hotel. Now, we did not stay at the host hotel, and what he wanted from them was, you know, check me into my room, please, and then let me give you my credit card. I don't have any check cash. You know, um, you know, Czech Republic cash. Mm-hmm. So could you put, so, you know, give me back some money, put it on my credit card. Well, they thought he was holding them up. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> They're just not used to doing business that way. Right. So that was That's only... That's quite the getaway card, too. <laughs> Can you, exactly. <laughs> It'll get you way fast, but you'll be noticed. Um, <laughs> so that was like the only major like language barrier thing I saw. Um, Funny. But it was very, but you're 100% right. Like, I asked for, because the, the host hotel was supposed to be a five-star hotel, and I asked for cream. Can you imagine to go with my decaf coffee? And I got the hand. Which the hand's an American thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, speak to the hand because the ears ain't listening. <laughs> and if, if the, and, and it's true because we were fortunate that we went over with a group of people. You know, people that represented large banks around the world and large, um, you know, telephony companies, et cetera, et cetera. And so we made new friends and we also got to see, you know, friends that we had made previously. And it was, it became more humorous how bad the service was. 
But had I, as an American citizen, gone over there and spent a huge amount of money to, for a plane ticket, an extremely long time to fly to that country to stay in a five-star hotel and pay $300 a night for a hotel and got the service that I got while I was there, I, like you said, I would not be an evangelist for them when I came back. I would not spread the positive word. I think that there's plenty more places that you can go where, um, let's say the culture is caught up to the fact that it pays to be nice to your tourists. You know, don't just take the money today, make it an annuity for tomorrow. You know, really brand yourself in a way that gets people excited about the history and the culture and, and, and you go back and you say, wow, not only was this place steeped in history and culture, but the people were amazing and they made it spectacular and they made it easy. They don't. Yeah, now I found that uh, on, a, on a trip I made a couple of years ago down to Mexico where these little communities that have thrived on on uh, tourist money for so long, I mean, they they just bend over backwards to take care of you. And that doesn't mean there aren't some people that disdain the you know, tourists, particularly American tourists, uh, coming into the community and, and, and whatnot. But uh, we found that uh, from one standpoint, there, there was just a huge, huge amount of desire to be of assistance, make you a home, anything you need. And I didn't actually stay. It went down to Puerto Vallarta, but I didn't stay in Puerto Vallarta. We actually stayed in a little little uh, town called Bucerios, a little further up on the bay, actually in a different state. So you had to cross the state line from uh, the well-known state of Jalisco into a state called Nigerit. And, you know, you get into these little small, small little place out in the middle of nowhere, and then they were just like in the in, in the larger tourist areas. Again, you know, they're so thrilled to have somebody come and visit their little community that they just went out of their way to make sure that every form of hospitality was provided. And it left me with a sense of, I want to come back. Oh, and, I, you know, I've had nothing but good things to say about, you know, that trip to, to anybody, aside from the couple times having to pay off some of the, uh, the traffic cops. But <laughs> <laughs> did have that. Yeah. As they say, uh, pago la mordida, the bite, pay for the bite. <laughs> pay for the bite, I like that, I like that. But that adds flavor to your story. It did, you know, it made it, you know, it's almost like a... Um, Rite of passage as a as a tourist in Mexico, right? <laughs> you know something you're wrong, exactly. But you know, you you go down there, you know, with a with a you know a certain expectation, and and when it's fulfilled and then exceeded, that adds value to the experience. Well, and, and that was one of those that were, you know, I did the the whole trip with my with my wife and our out of pocket expense, flight included, where it got to be right around twelve hundred bucks. I mean, how can you beat that for the experience we had for a week? You, know, you, just, you, can. you just can't. No, you can't. And that's, that's the difference. And, you know, what we're talking about is it doesn't just apply to tourism. I mean, this is, this is something that people should take into consideration in any kind of experience that someone is having with a company or a product or a service is really, because I think most people are tolerant to, you know, mistakes happen, things fall through the cracks, but having someone stand up, take a little responsibility and you know what, and make things okay, make them nice. There you go. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, and, you, and you hit on, hit the nail on the head, Brandy, you're right, it doesn't apply just to tourism. It applies to any kind of product, and particularly those that are, those uh, service-based industries, because the only thing that you can provide is a better service, because when you're, when you're in a service industry, uh, at least as, as I understand it, uh, your, your competition isn't just your competitors, but you're also dealing with somebody that's saying, okay, I'm going to outsource this to you. 
and I want you to do it, or I can do it myself, or I can choose not to do it all at all. And, and so you have several layers as opposed to, you know, I'm expected to um, use deodorant, so I'm going to buy deodorant. I'm expected to have food in my household, so I'm going to buy food. And then mm-hmm. it's just a matter of which food. Can you be the best choice of the foods? But so many service things. People are really deciding, should I do this myself, or is it a better bargain for me to pay someone else to do it? Will I get a better result? And, and so you have to exceed their expectations on every on every uh, front in order to be able to ensure that they'll have a desire to come back. Well, and you know something, at the end of the day, there's very few industries that you can go into where you will be, where you will have no competition. So how do you differentiate yourself from your competition? And nine out of ten times, if you're selling an apple and I'm selling an apple, right, maybe you make your apples look prettier because they're shinier than my apples, right? Yeah. But my apples taste better than your apples. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm serving my apples with people that are just so appreciative that you're eating the apples. And then we, we come back to you and say, hey, I think you enjoy that apple. You ate it. Let me give you another one for free. And then let us sign you up for six months. Are you know yeah, six <laughs> but apples. it's that service. <laughs> let me give you six, six apples, price of three. Yeah. No well, apples you, for you. <laughs> you mentioned putting the shine on the apple, but you also, uh, you know, put the put the shine on your on your on your face you'll put a smile on your face when you're talking to to the uh, potential customer and that's one of the things I try and share with with my staff here is when when we're talking with the public you know we only get so many entry and exit points where the public actually interfaces with with our people and I am sure you find it to be the same so put a smile on your face you know be be like the Nordstrom level of service or or some Sacks, other darling, any entity that you want yeah five star type <laughs> service and, and put that smile on your face and let people know you're sincere, you care, let me help you. Yeah, let me find the answer. Uh, you know, we're here to do this for you. A hundred percent. And that makes a huge difference. And especially if you can make it personal, if you can personalize it, make someone feel like they have a connection with you, you know, that's when you start creating loyalty. That's when you, uh, you have a better chance of keeping that door open. And that's the difference is always be polite and nice, but always ask, ask if you ask someone, how are you? Really wait for a response and react to what it is that they're saying. Because I love tripping people up when I call a company and they're like, how are you? Do you really want to know the truth? There you go. And, and, you know, and, and you get this, uh, 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 and, I'm, you know, and I'm thinking in my head, you know what? Because you were not, okay, Mr. Babin, stop that. <laughs> um, he's teasing me. <laughs> you cannot do that to me in the middle of, of our show. Um, but I know in my head, you're not focused on, on what I'm saying in the smallest like percentage, how, how do, I know, do I know that you're actually going to listen to me in something that you're supposed to be an expert on and lead me down the path where I need to go? That's how I make a lot of my judgment calls. Well, that first impression, you know, really, when you call in and have somebody that answers the phone, even if it's the, the lowest level person in your organization, and, and it shouldn't be considered the lowest level. It should be somebody that's actually your brightest and, and most upbeat personality that answers that phone. But the impression that's... that's uh, that, that's relayed from that from that first contact when somebody's going through before they start up the infinite phone tree that some organizations have. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, it needs to be somebody that seems like they're they're happy to, and, and and pleased to, to help you out because that first impression, you know, if they're going to ask like you say, you know, how are you, then then hopefully they're sincere enough to look for an answer. You know, if, you know, I, I I love it when somebody will answer the phone and and ask me how may I help you. You know, <laughs> this is so and so with such and such a company. How may I help you? You know, I, I love that because then it, you know, right, right away it's like, yeah, okay, this somebody's going to help me now. You know how I've got an advocate on on this, on, you know, right. that's the attitude that's perceived. Even if they're going to pass me up, 
to someone else to, to uh, you know, to complete whatever it is that I need. You know, if, if I get that kind of introduction, that's so much better than than just a uh, an initial response of, you know, such, such a company. Hello. Hello. Yeah, hello. <laughs> Speaking about hello, we need to say a nice greeting to our advertisers. You know, we do. So, Let's just take a few minutes and do that. Yeah. Go check out our advertisers. They rock. We'll be right back with Cover Story. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R.com. More than a name. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Hey there, welcome back to this fabulous edition of Cover Story, and I'm joined with my terrific co-host, Mick Jolly. Hey, you. Hey, how are you? How was that break? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just realized I know every word verbatim to every single commercial. That's because the show's uh, going on here. How many months are are you on now? About six months, pretty close, right? Let's see, November, well, let's say November 15th to December 15th, January, February, March, April. Oh, God, we are. We have a six-month anniversary. Hey, congratulations, Thank Brandy. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations to us. I love this. For many, many more years to come. I love doing my show with you. Thank you. Hey, it's, it's always a pleasure. Well, hey, back on track with where, where we were talking, though. Um, speaking of uh, trying to create some, some longevity and, and whatnot, mm-hmm. not only in the program, but in any, any other industry, uh, do we have any um, particular... Uh, models of, of problems that you saw with regards to industries or companies in, in while you're visiting Prague that as far as uh, European companies how that may have been presenting at the show and things that they could they could do to improve themselves are there concepts or ideas you'd share on, along that line Brandy? Well interestingly enough you know there's I, I find that um, I'm not as well versed let's say in the European marketplace I've done Different projects across the, uh, you know, across my, my span of. Yeah, but you're looking at it through brand new eyes, you know, going to Europe and. Yeah, totally. So I, I, I suspect there's, you know, taking our value system and trying to overlay it, you probably saw some stark differences beyond, yeah. beyond just the, the local service. <laughs> right. Well, it wasn't, the show itself was not over the top. There was nothing in your face, it was extremely information focused. Um, the trade show area itself, which I thought was very interesting, and I liked this, instead of it being, um, you know, with like the, the, what are those lights called? Like the really harsh lights in the convention setting, the lights were actually subdued. It was like, almost like, like lounge, like peaceful. Um, it almost felt like, I felt like you could Restful, focus relaxing better. experience instead of the uh, dynamic high energy and... Yeah, Totally. And I thought that was interesting because it allowed, it almost like centered you <laughs> and allowed you to relax and not feel so overwhelmed that, okay, I've got to get through all of these booths and I don't want to spend time with people that, you know, I don't think I'm going to do business with or, you know, whatever. It, it was, so the atmosphere I liked. I liked the setup of the booths just structurally. And they were all just 10 by 10 booths they had over there from the biggest company to the smallest company. So it was all, um, I liked the fact that they were all presented the same way. 
give everybody a, a equal, and yeah. do it on merit, not on how uh, grandiose their display was. Huh? <laughs> exactly, which I liked. Um, but I liked the fact that over there with their ten by ten booths, they actually gave you like you had, um, like there were separate stalls, so your booth was like three, you know, three sided, three sides of it were actually enclosed. Wow. which I thought was very interesting. So it really did with your 10 by 10, it gave you better space to actually, um, it you, was better you space display wares on three walls instead of just the back wall or back panel or whatever. Yeah. And there was room for people to sort of step inside and have a conversation with you. Um, it was just, it was very neat. I like, I just, I liked the way they did it instead of it being like the six foot table and hang a banner off of it. Sure. Um, or try to take whatever your booth setup is and, and Jimmy rig it to however the setup was. Um, I found, you know, the, the, the main focus of the show was telephony. And it was really like SMS over in Europe, which is huge. It, they are so far, and it's interesting, like, you know, they're so far advanced in, in certain ways, and, and we are in other ways. But that was very interesting to see how they use that technology and to see the types of stuff that they're serving up. Like, for example, they have things, like, of course, this would interest me. Like, I, I like to get facials, for example, that they would serve up ads to me on my tel- on my cellular phone because they know that like I use Chanel makeup. So when a Chanel when Chanel's doing a special you know product showing or they've got a special going on, that ad is going to get served to me. Like they're doing a really amazing job at doing like geo targeted ads. Um, spe- you know, in, in to sp- like specific customer bases. Now, how did you feel about that as far as, uh, you hear some debate about that technology as far as people saying, hey, it's a privacy issue to this, it's a that or the other. Were, were you okay with that for the most part? Um, I am, only because I haven't really, I haven't used it personally. I think it's a novel concept. I think if you can, if you can serve me up, in my busy day, if you can serve me up information that's um, going to make my life easier, going to help me save money, then I like it. When it starts to get clutter, just like, you know, the email blasts and all of that stuff where you just start getting so much rubbish that's not applicable to you, then it's a waste of time. And if it's using up my minutes for you to send me information that doesn't pertain to me, that's going to piss me off. There you go. But if the system is being used properly with all the ability to, to do that, I mean, they can stream video on cell phones today. The new, I think it's the new G4 phone, have like a flip TV in them. Hey. Which, for me, if I was on a commute... Like if I was taking a train in the morning and I could watch my, you know, anything from my law and order to informational type stuff, that's, that's like, there's a cool upside to that. Yeah, allow you to use your time much more wisely and efficiently and as well as enjoyably, sounds like. Yeah, I mean, and there's so many more things that I like, I don't even understand that they've got the capacity to do. Like anything, I think it's going to be abused and I think that if it starts out properly, um... You know, get a like a good foundation. You know, learn learn from the past. You know, we, with what we've learned with just email and what we've learned with regards to, uh, for that matter, just uh, general delivery mail. You know, through your post office and some of the things that could be done to. You know, now now we're talking about a whole new medium. You know, while it's based on similar technologies, what we're we're accustomed to in the United States sounds like a whole new new. Uh, way of, of receiving that your information now though from a merchant standpoint I think it's more of an insurance policy because you know there's a certain um, process that you have to go to accept whatever purchase it is and you're going through like the telcos for it 
So it's not as easy to turn around and go, oh, you know what? I really didn't buy this Lancome. Um, I didn't buy this Lancome eyeliner. Someone got on my computer and used my my credit card or um, how could you use a credit? It wasn't my computer. You know, I live in Fort Lauderdale and this purchase was made up in Boca. This is ridiculous. And charge back a company? Well, now it's on your phone with your own pin in it. You know, and like, there's too many safeguards where the chargeback ratio would be lower from a, you know, from a merchant standpoint. So I think that's an interesting thing to look at from a business model. Mm. Because every company has X amount of like returns or cancellations or whatever. Um, and going through one source that way, I think, you know, yeah. we'll keep that, we'll keep those numbers down. Anything you can do to streamline, and of course, you know, you always hear people talking about ROI, 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 but, you know, at the same time, it's a matter of you know, remembering, and I think it's a lesson we heard on, on this show once before, behind every every click, every, every in this case, every dial through, or whatever it would be, you know, there's there's a real person behind it, and, you know, again, make sure that uh, we don't do a, I guess, from a merchant standpoint, when, if we're going to send out a signal saying, hey, we've got a special in here within, you know, so many block radius, come on by and see us, whatever, that, that we actually deliver on what it is that we're promising to the consumer, True. particularly those that are going to receive it, as you say, um, potentially using um, cell minutes or something like that. Make sure that, it, that we're delivering what that person may be expecting when they come through the door. Right. And I mean, I've, I've received some that I've singular as uh, as a carrier and every once in a while they'll send me like these like spam type of you know hey do you want to participate that's wrong I don't want your crap I don't want to be entered into a lottery system that's not applicable to me as a person you serve me up that Chanel makeup and you give me a discount because that's what I use all the time and you know I have no issues in that you you take me as a busy female professional and you help to make my life easier more cost effective less stressful amen brother there you go. Um, but as far as the European marketplace, I just found them, they're a little bit more laid back. I think that um, people don't rush to do business that quickly. I think they like to establish more of a rapport, you know, which I think is lovely. It's a little bit more laid back and a little bit more formal in that regard. So it's I find that somewhat more. fascinating. On, on one side, you know, they, they're they uh, embracing technology, much more dynamic technology than than what we currently have here in the United States for your average consumer. And mm-hmm. yet... You know, a little bit more laid-back approach to how they how they develop a relationship and decide to do business with somebody. I think that they, I think in the United States, we're very avaricious about getting business, and um, if I'm going to stereotype, and I think in Europe, I think they really, it may take them a little bit longer to make the deal, but I think they're really trying to look at the person and the company as a whole to see how it's going to impact them as a company because I think that they're more reputation-oriented over there, you know, sort of like, um, you know, you are the company you keep sort of mentality. And then, and that's why it's from a long-term strategic, uh, uh, relationship building standpoint to, uh, take on that perspective and, and really explore what, what are the pros and cons of doing business with a, with a particular individual or, or partnering with another company and, and, uh, you know, really try and see if it's in alignment with, with the core values of, of, of who they your are. Your business, where yeah, you want to be. I, and I think, I think there's a lesson to be learned there. I definitely like to see the women more, a little more elegantly dressed, the men more, you know, wearing suits. I thought that was novel and, and nice. Um, I definitely think that someone could go over to Prague and make, you know, gold mine just training their people on customer service. And um, because I don't think, I think that Prague as a whole, 
I think, like I said, what people used to go to Prague for was the fact that it, it is beautiful. And, and I mean, it's the only city, I think it's the oldest city in Europe that hasn't been affected by any major wars. So, I mean, there's buildings. We added a restaurant that's been a restaurant for 800 years. That's impressive. <laughs> I mean... A grog house or something at one time, right? <laughs> what? What, what? I say a grog house or something at one time, maybe, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's just... But to sit there and think, my God. How many hundreds of thousands of people have uh, dined there over the hundreds of years, right? I mean, and who were they? And how, you know, you look at the houses here, you know, like I'm from a, a town in Massachusetts that, you know, I think we were formed in 1648. And the, the doors are really small in some of these historic homes because over it's like amazing over the course of a couple hundred years, we've, as a society, just grown so much bigger. And to think, like, what did those people look like a thousand years ago? Very true. You know, you know, very few of the, the homes relatively that you see on the West Coast are much over 100 years old. You know, very, very few. Right. That's the exception. And, of course, the East Coast, we think, wow, you know, several hundred years of history. In your case, you're talking about, you know, in some instances, homes back to the 1600s. And then, yeah. It, and then you go over there. Oh, my God, you go over there and you think, oh, my God, 400 years before, you know, like I'm sitting at a restaurant that existed like 400 years before Columbus ever discovered the U.S. Yeah. But see, along with those buildings, those buildings are really if you will, representations of the cultures and the people because, again, we're talking about much older cultures, much older um, values and perspectives that are ingrained like those buildings. And, you know, here in, in America, yeah, we are much more flamboyant, much more maverick, if mm-hmm, you will, mm-hmm. because we don't have that built-in history, that stigma, that tradition. And, uh, again, I think there's a, there's a lesson to be learned there and, uh, I think we did. I think we've just gotten away from it. I think like when you and I were kids, I'm going to, I'm throwing myself on a limb here. We grew up in more ghettoized areas. Okay. When I say ghettoized, I mean like the Irish lived in the Irish area, the Jewish people lived in the Jewish area, the Italian people lived in the Italian area and most families, yeah. whether you were cousins, aunts, uncles, grandmothers, whatever. You, you had much more deeper ties to your, to your, to your culture or just even, you're right. Even, even 25 years ago. And, it's it's yeah. remarkably different than what it is now. And, of course, we know everybody here, we move so much, we do business by the Internet. Family reunions are almost conducted by sending your uh, your latest pictures of your kids well, and you an email even, attachment. Yep, and you can't even tell the difference anymore of, like, the Deep South versus, I'm like, I'm a Yankee and I'm proud of it. But you go to Atlanta, you can't tell the difference between Atlanta and Boston anymore. Like, Atlanta used to be considered the Deep South. No, yeah. no more. I was just down in that city a, a couple times, actually, in the last year. And, uh, yeah, very... Uh, very high tech. Uh, maybe blame it on IBM. I don't know. It's, <laughs> that was, it's, it's a different area. But so our so I agree with you. I think that we used to be like that. I think that we've gotten very quickly, and it's interesting to see how like the culture of America, which is interesting, because you know a hundred years ago, all of our families were coming over from these cultures that were were deep rooted. But you know, it's no longer as much first generation families. So now you and I. Are Americans. There you go. Well, Brandy, if I were to try and summarize some of the points that, that you've been able to exploit through your through your travels the last week and whatnot, if I were to exploit some exploit some of those uh, points a little bit more, uh, I would say one: we learned be aware of people's cultural values. Absolutely. As we're doing business with them, um, you know, do a little investigation. How do the people 
in, in another country if we're going to be visiting that country or hosting individuals that we're going to be doing business with from another country. Uh, you know, how should we anticipate that they are going to dress? What kind of uh, norms uh, would they expect in terms of our mannerisms? Is it, is it polite to uh, shake hands? Is it not? Is it polite to give someone a kiss on the cheek? Um, exactly. Is it not? You know, any, any of these things that we, we could explore in, on, in terms of just trying to learn some interpersonal skills. The other side, I think, is uh, trying to just garner some idea of uh, the history of the of the people so that we can understand better why they are the way they are because and, and maybe uh, examine our own history because I think if we understand um, why people are the way they are as you you indicated anyway by the one example hey these people have been living under communist rule for X number of years they haven't had that many years of freedom it helps us to ha I think have a little bit more of a genuine Compassion. appreciation uh -huh. oh because that helped me because at first when I ever got the hand for asking for cream for my coffee, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, hey, take the whole thing back, lady. <laughs> oh, totally. Because my thing is like, I'm so cool with, you know what, if I'm asking for something, but you're really busy, if you turn to me and say, I'm so sorry, I'm busy, give me a few minutes. I am all good with that. But if you give me the hand, yes, it makes me want to take my hot cup of coffee and pitch it at you. There you go. And but I, I think, yeah, like you say, when, once you learned that, yeah. Then, and it, it helps you to have a genuine appreciation and understanding and not you know, take some things that may be considered offensive as, as, a, as a personal insult of some sort and, you know and what? roll with it as a part of the experience. And you know what, Mick? I think you brought up a really great idea, too, because in business, okay, in general, the better you understand about who you're dealing with and understanding what, like, what it is that they're trying to achieve, you know, because the thing is, we all come in with our own preconceived notions. I want to make more sales. Um, I want to do this. I want to, you know, maybe it's price-oriented, maybe it's service-oriented, maybe if it's, it's long strategy-oriented, but really taking the time to understand what someone's goals are and where they've been so that if you do think that this company is a good company for you to align yourself with, you understand what their hot buttons are so that you can go in there and, and nicely push them. But if you don't take the time to understand who it is you're doing business with, you could, you could quell a really good deal. Yeah, push all the wrong buttons. And that's about taking the time to say, what is important to you? What, by us doing business, A, what is it that you're trying to achieve? And B, what can I do to make your life easier to make this happen? And someone might just say, you know what? Um, you know, in order for us to do business, the thing that I could benefit most from you is just having a friend on the other line. Because, you, you know, you're just a cool person to talk to, and it's nice for me to have a break during my day. And you have something to offer that would really benefit us. But that's why I would decide to go with you over someone else. Someone else might say, because you know what? You guys are the most, the best price-driven, and you offer a decent service, so let's focus on the price. Someone else might say, you know what? Because I hate your competition, and I like to stick it to them. And if you understand they had a history with someone else, like we had that happen actually over in, in Prague. We had a company come to us and tell us that they wanted to do business with us because someone who's, we don't really consider to be a competitor. I mean, I think they consider themselves to be a competitor with us. Um, they don't like that other company. So they sought us out and said, you know what? I can do something to benefit you. This other company that you know wanted to do it with us. I hate them. And because they came to me with this deal, I probably wouldn't have thought of this deal unless they came to me with this deal. Now I'm bringing it to you. Wow. Full circle. Wow. And it's all because someone didn't like someone else. So there can you go. imagine what people can do when they actually like you? That's incredible. And it, and it shows the importance of uh, creating a good impression and good relationship because you don't want to drive your business prospects to your competition. No. You know, it, it takes a lot of work, a huge investment in time, 
and sometimes uh, economic investment in terms of uh, collateral resources and marketing campaigns and whatever else to bring somebody to your door. You certainly don't want to then turn around and drive into your competition because they had a sour experience. It's and, true. Uh, you know, that's, that's important. So there's, there's a couple other lessons to be learned. Uh, know the history. You, you indicated that the European market, they, they like to take, take their time in making a deal. So learn oh. the history of, uh, of your competition. Learn the history of your future prospect and, and business associates mm-hmm. and, and uh, know what, what the hot buttons are. But then uh, beyond that, um, something else learned from the European market is world-class customer service should be worldwide and and uh you know that's that's sounds like there's some opportunities for for any listeners out there that may want to go overseas and and, and make their own gold mine to oh teach God, customer service so be the worst customer service person here and and have something to offer <laughs> exactly <laughs> that is i mean that really is if someone wants to go to Prague and start hitting up all of their hotels and 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 teaching and and, and you know their um service industries and, and teaching them some of the finer Finer points of customer service that they would flourish because you know what? Like, I really liked it there. I don't think I would run back there so quickly, comparatively speaking, to going, you know, because it was the same price as going to like a Paris or a London. Where you know you're going to get the kind of service you're expecting. Well, and yeah, exactly. Or you anticipate it anyway. And it's a little bit more sophisticated, you know, where you're going to get, um, you know, there's a lot more variety. Very because, true. you know, um, so, you know, good lesson for the people in Prague. It's time to, it's time to hopefully shed, shed the negativity of before and um, embrace what you have today. Well, valuable lessons, valuable insights. I'm, I'm glad you had an opportunity to make that trip and that you were able to come back safely from, from overseas and share Me some too. of these ideas with us. And Me too. Goodness. And you know what else I did while I was there? What's that? I tried absinthe. You tried what? Absinthe. And tell about this. Absinthe? Yeah, what is it? Oh, my God. I guess it was something that people used to drink in the 1800s that made them go crazy. Oh, really? (laughs) So I figure I'm already there. We might as well try it. You're crazy to be there, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's this green liqueur, and it's this whole neat ritual where you take, you know, you put, you pour this green liqueur into, like, a shot glass, you know, and you take sugar, and you dunk the sugar into this green liqueur and then you actually um, burn the sugar so you caramelize it into the drink put some water in and mix it up and you drink it and, and it tastes disgusting the first four sips like mm. NyQuil or something Ew. and then all of a sudden it, it doesn't taste that bad and for someone that just went through jet lag we were exhausted and all of a sudden I was like hey Hey, I can, good. I can walk around the town. I'm in cobblestone and heels, so <laughs> me. You know, I can, I can, I can come out of this without getting a broken leg. So that was kind of like a fun, cool thing because you don't, like, I guess they sell absinthe in the state, but it's not the real stuff. So it was neat to be able to, you know, sample something that's like centuries old. You know, Mozart used to drink it. Toulouse Lautrec. Not that I'd like to ever, you know, <laughs> it's kind of odd sort of guy. But um, you know, like where some of these notaries from history have drank this and know that like you can't do this anywhere else it was kind of like that was fun very interesting mm-hmm. they tell me there's a wormwood in it I, w- I would have been more excited if there was a tapeworm in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the, the latest uh, plan in uh, health and fitness <laughs> <laughs> just to see the tapeworm but, uh, but so that was fun that was a goofy silly thing and it was kind of neat the whole ritual of um, you know lighting the sugar 
and, uh, and, and trying something different. And that's, that, that's the best thing I could tell someone to do. When you go to, like when you went to Mexico, anyone out there, if you're going to a, a country, a new place, Try, you know, figure out what's the local cuisine. What's like, what's the, the, the dish du jour of that specific region? What's something that's indigenous only to that place and experience it? Very as good. long as it's not illegal. Yeah, that's, uh, that's something that uh, I would concur with. I, I had no interest when, you know, going on that last trip to Mexico and, and staying in one of the resort hotels and camping out there and just doing the resort activities. That just didn't, didn't appeal to me. It was getting out amongst the people and right. uh, traveling around and immersing and a little yourself Volkswagen in the culture. We rented and How cool. It had no top on it. And just, <laughs> you know, we got, we got dunked in a rain shower that filled the floorboard up with water just to all of a sudden, you know, let down a rain. I mean, a lot of, a lot of neat experiences, but, you know, gave you more of an, a cultural appreciation. Definitely brought me home with, a, with an experience rather than just, yeah, I went and hung out at a club. I mean, right. Big deal. You know, the, I, I'm a very firm believer, Brandy is on number 764. The more you experience in, in life, the more you understand about yourself and others around you. All right. We'll look for the chapter in, in your next book. <laughs> Dedicated to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So listen, you, wow, we have come to uh, another end of a fabulous cover story. I so enjoy doing this with you, Mick. Well, hey, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the show. Enjoyed hearing about your experiences. We'll look forward to more. Next fabulous, week we should fabulous. have an, another fabulous guest lined up, so we'll uh, look forward to that. But today's uh, guest, I think, was the best one of all. It was you and me, our it own guest. It was you. It was not me. You were the guest. <laughs> no, please. But this is this is terrific, and I think we gave a lot of value because even though we were talking about travel and tourism, and this this applies to any business. Apply the principles across, across do, the board. Yeah. Do your due diligence. Understand who you're dealing with. Understand what everybody you know is looking for out of a business relationship. And then promote the hell out of yourself. Very good. Couldn't be said better. Well, we better uh, close out and let our advertisers have one last closing remark. And yeah. Off we go. Fabulous. I will speak to you soon, and we will see you next week on Cover Story. <laughs>